Hello and welcome to the Real Life Sports Show. This podcast is for sports fans and people playing sport. Anyone interested in sport, basically, whether that's watching it, playing it or competing at any level. My name is Sam Adams. I'm known as the Real Life Coach. I'm a business owner and a life coach who works with sports professionals, whether that's athletes, coaches and people in and around the sporting industry. And I help those people live more expansively, authentically, so that they can enhance their performance, whether that's playing their game or living their real life. My background is business, really. I've been in business for over 20 years in property, and I've mentored in that industry and coached. And that led me into life coaching. And then that led me into working with people in sport, basically because I'm passionate about sport. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the topics in sport. We're going to talk about the real life behind the scenes, what it takes to be a professional athlete. We're going to have the latest news. We're going to have some discussions. I'm also going to share with you my experiences of coaching elite athletes. We will have some amazing guests and they will be talking about the glamour and the glory, the medals, the achievements, the titles. But we'll also go behind the scenes to find out what it really takes, the grit and the grind what it takes to excel as an elite athlete for yourself the listener what i promise you is that you're going to get some great takeaways and insight from these podcast episodes whether you're looking to achieve or improve your mindset it'll help you with your personal development and it will give you that extra bit of insight and what it takes to be a high achiever also i'd love for you to do me a big favor when you get to the end of this episode or any episode is leave a review. Leave me a five-star review and I will be eternally grateful. So here we go, the Real Life Sports Show. Welcome everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Real Life Sports Show with me, yes, Sam Adams, aka the Real Life Coach. Today I am joined with a very, very special guest um, who I'm absolutely delighted to be, to have on the podcast. And um, I'm pleased to say it's the one and only Kevin Clifton. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Mr. Smiley. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You look very happy. (laughs) You might not be by the end of this interview. but (laughs) (laughs) You're going to grill me. I'm not going to grill you, just that I can talk a lot. And um, as (laughs) I said before we started uh, recording, I had a hell of a lot of questions from people um when I've got a whole bunch of my own so um (laughs) we'll see how we get on but by way of introduction obviously most people will know you uh as a professional dancer that was on Strictly Come Dancing Hmm. um for how many years like 10 years no I did seven years on the show ah there's me thinking it's about a decade um (laughs) yeah for seven years I would probably guess and I've watched every series of Strictly by the way massive um fan my parents ballroom danced and Oh, cool. um, yeah, sadly, my dad passed away a few months ago, but my right up until the last year of his life, my parents danced and oh. it was such a beautiful thing, honestly. So I think that's why I love Strictly, to be honest with you. It's just, yeah, 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 it was nice. That's what got me into it. But anyway, yes, massively, I guess the favourite, I would say, on Strictly. Um, I don't know what you think about that. <laughs> I don't know. That's, Too much. It's very nice. It's very nice of you to say. <laughs> I loved working on the show. Like it, it, it is such a lovely show to be a part of. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of people got a lot of love for it. And I think it's only since I've sort of taken a step 
outside of it and I watched the last series I mean I was watching it before I was a part of it but I think when you're a part of it you almost don't even on the live show you can't get a sense of just how many people are watching it and yeah. how many people are involved and you see a you know a big reaction on social media every Saturday night and you know whatever but it's it's difficult to get your brain out of that bubble like the studio that you're recording it in and yeah. what you can see on your timeline um, but then like watching it from the outside you get this sense of like just everyone becomes obsessed with Strictly from from sort of September to Christmas and I, I always felt a bit like god people are really into this show like pe people are, are really obsessed aren't they and and I sort of had in my head like when I leave I'll, I'll probably be quite nonchalant about it and not say too much not not talk about it too much yeah. by week two I'd become like an obsessed super fan <laughs> so invested in the show <laughs> did you I mean obviously this is about sports this podcast really yeah. and, and I sit and I do want to talk to you about that because I do see it you you were competitive as a kid you did competitions and things like that and, mm. and we'll come to that but you know you talking about that you know when you're in it and you're invested in it those three months I've spoke mm. to a lot of athletes and I work with athletes and it's like their own little world it's mm. like the outside world is very very different and they get caught up in this their own little circle was it like that for those three months of a year was it was it just very completely different on the outside yeah you feel you feel like you don't see anybody else apart from strictly people you see you know your whoever you're dancing with the other dancers um sort of people working on the show um, the producers, the directors, like you see all the same people all the time and, you, and you're sort of on this wheel, of, you know, go into the studio to do pro rehearsals on Monday morning. Then you go to your celebrity, train with your celebrity sort of Monday afternoon until Thursday night. Um, at some point you fit in, go into It Takes Two. Um, yeah. You see Zoe there. Um, and then, you, then you're in Elstree Studios on the Friday doing camera blocking and June fittings and spray tans and all of this kind of thing <laughs> more pro rehearsals um and then Saturday is a crazy day of like getting ready for the live show um more rehearsals than you know band calls and you do a big dress we we dress run the whole show as if it's live just with with yeah. four standing bridges and then we do the live show obviously mm. and people vote then we then we record the results show which goes out on the Sunday and then Sunday is supposed to be a day off like but if you're through to the next week you're choreographing the next dance to start teaching the next day so you're just on this wheel of, of, of that week basically and yeah it's difficult to see outside of it until Christmas yeah um, it sounds massively intensive you know mm. uh, you probably couldn't keep that going for any longer than three months of a year I shouldn't imagine just the intensity of it mm, prob probably yeah yeah it is very intense and, and like physically but emotionally as well there's a lot happens and and, and you're sort of, as a pro on the show, one, you, you have to be a choreographer to come up with routines. You have to be a teacher to teach them how to dance, obviously mm -hmm. a performer as well. Um, but also you're sort of in charge of this person. You've, you've been put in charge of someone for, for a few months and you're yeah. in charge of their emotional and mental well-being throughout the whole process as well. I mean, they have, you know, a great set of it strictly and there's people yeah. and whatever, but like, essentially you're like the manager of the team yeah um so like i i would say that to my celebrity partners i'd be like you're you're like you're like the star striker and and you have, <laughs> you have to 
consider me like the manager of the team. Right, okay, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and everything that I'm doing, I'm thinking about how you can deliver your best on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, or how we, we can together. Um, so yeah, it, it's, quite an, it's quite an intense few months. And then you, yeah. you sort of wake up at the end of it and go, right, okay, it's Christmas on Tuesday. <laughs> and there's like this weird feeling. <laughs> I'm going to go Christmas shopping. I've got to sort the shit out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because nothing gets done. Like, yeah. And yeah. then I guess you have the tour as well, right? So you, you go on to the tour as well. Yeah, you have Christmas and New Year, then the, then the tour, the arena tour usually happens um, sort of January, February time. Mm. Yeah, you go into rehearsals and then, and then you go off and sort of mid-Feb that, that finishes. Mm. And then for a lot of us, to be honest, we're then we then go on do our own tours and things like that. So um, you, you're sort of constantly on this, yeah. on this bigger wheel of stuff, of stuff happening as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. It, it's, it's so weird at the end of, at the end of Strictly. I've, I've heard so many um, sports, you know, athletes and stuff um, talk about how everything has been gearing up to that one moment. Like say if they're training for the Olympics or something, mm -hmm. their whole life has been gearing up for this one moment. Yeah. And then they have this weird moment of like, they win, like they, they, they can win the gold medal, for example. And then they have this weird sort of flat sensation afterwards where yeah. like everything's supposed to be like, oh my God, I've won the gold medal. But it's almost like a, a slump. Like in, in the immediate aftermath, it's this, I've heard them talk about it being this weird sensation of like, well, what happens now? I'm just gonna exactly. go back to the hotel room and have a cup of tea. Like, yeah. and I had that when the, the year when me and Stacey won in 2018, mm -hmm. like I'd, I'd come second four times on Strictly. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I was starting to think it was never gonna happen. And then me and Stacey, and we didn't think we were gonna win that night. And, and then we won and it was like, for a few minutes, it was like euphoria and everyone was screaming, everyone's grabbing hold of me. Oh my God, you won. And then after that, it was like, right, what happens now? And then there was like this big after party. Everyone enjoys the big after party, the, the, the rap party of Strictly. Yeah. And, you know, everyone goes to this place and everyone was like, oh, can I, can I buy you a drink and da, 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 all of this. And I was just sort of stood there not saying anything, just sort of stood there with this glitter ball trophy. And my mum went to me, are you all right? And I, and I went, yeah, I, I just I think I'm just going to go home. And I literally, <laughs> the night that we went, I, I went home and put my glitter ball on my side table on my little flat in Kingston where I was living, put my glitter ball on the side, made myself a cup of tea and got in bed and watched Match of the Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, after my own heart. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, there you go. That's it. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when, and this is, you know, tying this in with sports because some of the sports people that I talk to, you know, getting to, it's almost like getting to the end of your career, like um, Kelly Holmes. Yeah. She obviously won two amazing gold medals in Athens yeah. and that was right at the end of her career. And then you do mm. that, which you've been striving to do your whole career. Like it took her 20 years effectively. Yeah. Um, and I interviewed Billy Schwell. He's a world championship, a former mm. a world champion boxer. Same for him. Took him 20 mm. years to reach his pinnacle. And then it's like, well, what now? Yeah. You know, yeah. literally what comes next? And certainly in some of the stuff that I do, helping people navigate that, because I guess same for you in dancing and then sports is, your career, you can have a life, a career-ending injury, 
mm. um, or you have that natural sort of retirement. Yeah. And when you're in the public eye massively like you are and people like Kelly or you, you, you're seen as this great sporting idol, coming to the end of that is really tricky to navigate. Mm, mm. from a mindset point of view because you're used to a lot of attention um, I know Billy talks very openly that he he literally like fell off the wagon he literally like didn't mm. know what to do with himself for a couple of years um Reese Thomas is a, a, a rugby player that I know he played for Wales same for him he literally just turned to drink now mm. I know you haven't done that but I think there is this thing of when you're in the limelight, when you, you're going after this big goal and this big dream and even if you're not in the limelight for us all when we hit our Mount Everest, the peak, what happens next yeah, yeah. is a really, can be a really big challenge and a big mindset shift. So, mm. because obviously you then gave up strictly. Yeah. What, what, what was the mindset and the thinking around all of that? So I guess with, with leaving strictly, I was thinking it around sort of the, cause I did one more year after I won with, with Stace. I did the 2019 series. And I did mention it to them at that point and so, and I wanted to be just very open with them and, and say, you know, I am thinking about what I'm doing now, like just at the age, you know, at the age I'm at and, and, um, and you know, that I, I was doing other, I'm interested in other things. So like I, I do a lot of theater stuff and, and, yeah. and I wanted to, to explore that a lot more, um, you know, singing and acting and all the other stuff. And um, things were coming my way in the, in the theatre world. And I thought, you know, at what point do you jump and take take up these opportunities? You know, if it's not going to be now, when is it going to be? And I don't want to leave it too late. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I guess I felt that um, I'd, I'd been on the show for seven years and I, I felt like I, I didn't want to get to the point where I was repeating myself um, just in terms of I'd had every different type of celebrity and every different type of sort of journey on on Strictly, like, you know, the different ways that it can go in terms of the narrative. Like you had the year that I won with Stace, a year that I went out early with, with Annika Rice. I had, um, I, I had a year where we took sort of a non-dancer that, there was a real underdog to the final. I had a year where I was dancing with someone who everyone said was too good from week one. Oh, they must be trained, you know. Um, I had when the year that I danced with Susan Kalman in, in, in 2017. I mean, she was just the favorite to be eliminated first, the favorite to be eliminated every week. And, you know, she was that one that just the nation sort of fell in love with her. Yeah, she's and, great. Um, yes. She's amazing. Yeah. And I've and, seen her live, but it was hilarious. Yeah. She's yeah. so funny. She was so great. Like we just became such good mates and she really just threw herself at it and, and, and really went for it and, and was sort of, didn't take herself too seriously in that she was okay to sort of have fun, but at the same time, she didn't want to be like the joke act of yep. the series and just go out and purposely do comedy every week. And she wanted to really try her best. And I, and I think, I think she surprised quite a lot of people. Um, so I felt like I'd had lots of different journeys mm. on, on the show. And, and I said, said to them at the time, I said, you know, the only real different thing that I can do now on the show that, that I haven't done already was if, if you partner me with a man. Mm. Um, and, you know, they said, look, it's something that we we are thinking about doing uh, at some point. Yeah, it's definitely something we'd, we'd love to explore. Um, we just, we can't guarantee you that at this point. 
um, yeah. you know, we can't guarantee that that will happen on the next series. And if it does happen, that it'll definitely be you or whatever, you know, like, of course we'd consider that, but, um, and at the same time as that happening, um, Strictly Ballroom, the musical, was announced that that was returning um, as a tour. And it's a film that I've been obsessed with since I was a little kid, since I first saw it. You know, sort of Scott Hastings, the lead guy in that in that yeah. uh, film, became my sort of hero. And and it was this, you know, I just I, I watched it when I was a kid, and and I said to my mum and dad, like, they're going to make a show out of that one day, and I'm going to play him. Wow. And and. I auditioned for it when it first came to the West End, didn't get it. And when it was announced as a tour, I was like, I, th this got to be my last chance to actually do this. Mm. And it was like, I had a meeting with them at Strictly and said, look, if I, if I get offered this, I'm not going to be able to turn it down. So mm. I'm just letting you know, like in good time, this, this is where I'm at at the moment. And then it came to that sort of crunch time and then I got offered the part. So I, I just said to him, I think it, it feels like this is the right, the deal. very yeah. difficult for me to turn this down. And I've been having this conversation anyway, so it feels like now's the time. Mm. But I've, I've got such a, a good relationship with them. And, um, you know, I, I love the show and I love everyone that works on the show. And, um, you know, so for me, it's, it was never going to be about like, right, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm cutting it <laughs> off. And I'll never speak about Strictly again. Like, I've got so much love for the show and, um, you know, never say never about you know being part of it again someday I don't know but well that's yeah. one of the one of the many <laughs> many questions that I yeah. foolishly I, not yeah. foolishly but I put it on my Instagram and I put it on my Facebook that I was uh, recording it and I do about all the episodes to be honest um but yours by far I had the most response all of these <laughs> questions I have to be fair and say a lot of them were about Stacey. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. She's a big hit. <laughs> yeah, she like, oh, are you going to marry Stacey? Will you do uh, this Stacey? I'm sure you've heard all of those, so I won't give those to you. <laughs> but there was a shit ton of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, sorry, I lost my point now because there was a point to it referring to the questions. Um, oh, yes, uh, I know. Uh, so with that in mind, one of the questions that was asked more than once was, would you ever go back to Strictly? And mm. a couple of them sort of asked, would you go back as a judge? So I guess let's get that one out of the way. I would love to be a judge on yeah. the show. That, like, that's a bit of a bucket list dream for me. Yeah, yeah. in the same way that I always said, I'd love to play Scott Hastings. Like now I'm like, I yeah. would love to be a judge on Strictly Come Down to One Way. In terms, yeah, I mean, I. I, I, yeah, I don't feel like it's done, to be honest. I feel like I've still got this lovely relationship with them and there's still, there's still something um, to be done. In terms of coming back as a dancer, it just depends on the, the situation. Like at, at the moment, I'm doing other things, like with, yeah. with theatre. Um, so, you know, I, I can't see it being, for example, this year um, because of other stuff. And next year, I... Um, Strictly Ballroom the musical got moved back again because of you know everything that's going on so we're now going to open in September 22 right um so that rules me out of the 20 the 22 series as well mm. so by the time like if I'm coming back if I was to come back in the 23 2023 I mean during that series I'll be turning 41 really? so yeah so <laughs> one thing I did look at your Wikipedia but I didn't actually notice how old you were so <laughs> no, I'm 38 now yeah so, um so i just yeah it it comes down to circumstance so i would think right now it's unlikely but i'd always be open to the conversation yeah yeah, yeah. And, and yes i'd love to be a judge 
<laughs> who do you think you'd be like though? I mean, are you like a Craig Re Revel Horwood? I mean, there's no one like Craig to be fair. But... <laughs> I couldn't be that harsh on them. Because <laughs> I think because I know what it's like to stand on this side of the judges desk yeah. and, and, and I know what they're all going through. Because the judges turn up on a Saturday mm. and have a look at the end product. Like yeah. they're not really seeing everything that's happened during the week and the, the effort and the tears and the, you know, and all yeah. of that. So, because I know what they're all going through and the sort of stress of it and, you know, the pressure of suddenly going out and performing live in front of millions of people. Yeah. Um, I couldn't be as harsh as Craig, I don't think. <laughs> well, and to be honest with you, I'll take my hat off to him because I think it takes guts to, to yeah. you know, there's so many things to be honest with me. I'm like, God, I really want to say that, but I, I, I like hold back because I just can't be that blunt. Whereas Craig, yeah. like, boom, there you oh, go. Yeah. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I remember once um, as I had a conversation with Craig. It was like a couple of years into Strictly. And I said to him, I feel like, look, I know that this is what you're like on the show, but I feel like you, you, you never seem to ha um, give a good score to like me and my partners on the show, whoever I'm dancing with. And I'm like, you know, what's it, what's it going to take for you to sort of be kinder to, to me? Be kinder to Kev. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, you know, to get a good score out of you or whatever. And, and he went, well, you've got to dance better, darling. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, fair enough. <laughs> I love that. That's a very good accent, by the way, as well. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he does seem quite harsh, but I guess in every, pack, you know, when you have those kind of shows, you need, I guess you need the yeah. good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Yeah, he's lovely, really. Is he? Oh. Nice guy, really. But I have to say that because he's directing me in Strictly Ballroom, so. Oh, is he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he made me audition. <laughs> he made me audition for the role. He wasn't going to just give me the job. No, I was going to say, like, I bet he, he, no prisoners, no. No, no. Um, do you, I mean, the thing is, Strictly has been such a big part of your life. And, and the, like you say, it's kind of like the nation's favourite show. Or what what a three probably that I can think of that we all embrace at a certain point in the year. Do you, do you ever get fed up of talking about it? Because to be honest, I don't, I don't think we would talk that much about it, but we seem to have <laughs> yeah, 20 yeah. minutes talking about it. <laughs> um, I don't, to be honest, because I, I just, like I say, I, I think it is wicked. And what I love is that people are talking so much about a show, a show that's about boring dancing. Yeah. Because it's this thing that I've always loved doing um but like when I was a kid it wasn't necessarily this big thing that everyone was talking about like my mates at school weren't asking me about the Paso Doble mm. um you know it was just this <laughs> weird thing that I did um but now like even sort of you know just blokey bloke mates from from school will text me and go yeah I wasn't sure like Bill Bailey's bounce in his samba was a bit off this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I'm watching it I'm going yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows now. Everyone knows about ballroom dancing, which is 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 cool. It's really who'd, cool. Who'd, who'd have thought that? Yeah, you know, I can't. When was the first? Really, I can't remember the year. What's the first one? Oh gosh, two thousand 
four-ish or something. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, who'd have thought, you know, back then, the early 2000s, that yeah. the show would be so popular. I know. Incredible. Did. I didn't think so. Like, I was competing at the time, and as a competitor, mm. we were all a bit like, oh, this, you know, they're trying to do come dancing again. It's, it's No one's going to be interested in watching celebrities trying to do ballroom dancing. It's going to be a flash in the pan. Yeah. These competitors are just selling out and blah, 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 and all of this, like, <laughs> cut to yeah. a few, few years later. I'm trying desperately to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that you auditioned with it three times or something. Yeah, yeah, I got rejected twice. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, finally got on the show. <laughs> well, what a great addition you've been. Look, let's talk about um, competition-wise, because obviously mm. you have done ballroom dance. I don't know, how, how old were you in the first time? Because your parents were amazing dancers, right? Yeah, my parents were world, world Latin American champions, and they, so they had a, a dance school, and apparently I started when I was about four years old. Mm. Um, I don't really remember starting um, and my first competition was um, I think I was six mm. me and my sister um, yeah. dancing together and we were the only ones in in our age category like I think we went to like Liverpool to do this competition and we were the only ones in like the under sevens or something <laughs> and, um, but we were too scared to be dance on our own on the floor in front of everyone so yeah. they asked an older couple to dance with us just so there was someone else on the floor when we were dancing yeah. And um, and then, of course, we're the only ones in it. So we won. Right. But for us, we'd beaten this older couple. <laughs> 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 yeah. And then I, and then I was just <laughs> me and my sister competed together until we were sort of teenagers. Mm-hmm. And then it felt a bit like, oh, I don't want to do a rumba with you. Yeah. Weird. Bit weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then we just got different partners, but we didn't want to compete against each other. So um, Joe started to specialize in the ballroom dances and I specialized in Latin American. Yeah. So that we didn't compete against each other. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. So, I mean, as a kid, like, what was that like growing up? Because like you said, you you know, you had this thing that you did outside of school that let's be honest, not lots of boys I'm sure that you hung around with did. Mm. I'm not sure if any of them did. What, what was that uh, like as a kid? Were you teased for that or, or how was it? Um, teased a bit. I, I, I can't say I was like properly bullied. Um, uh, the thing was for me, like I sort of identified the fact very quickly that like I stood no chance. Like <laughs> I had to, I, I figured out that I had to, to sort of make fun of myself. Right. If I was to stand any chance, this sort of um, giving myself like a, a suit of armor, which was making f- self-deprecation, you know. Yeah, um, works. Um, and because I was like turn up in, in secondary school, I would turn up on. I'd be competing at the weekend, so I'd turn up on a Monday with an orange neck from fake tan. <laughs> but like you wouldn't, you couldn't put the fake tan on your face. I don't know why you just couldn't so my mum had put makeup on my face but I'd be tanned up to my neck so I'd turn up with a white face on an orange neck um and because and everyone knew the reason for this was that I'd been doing ballroom dancing in Birmingham on Sunday with my sister who was in the year below right and she was at that age where she was growing a bit quicker than me at the time so I now had a perm to make, make my hair stand up a bit so I looked a bit taller. <laughs> I was that guy in school. I need to, I need to see these photos. Where's <laughs> the evidence of <laughs> So all I could do was like, look, if I 
take myself seriously here, I'm not going to stand a chance through school. So I would literally come in and not even try and hide it. I would come <laughs> in going, look at the state of ballroom dancer over here. You know, yeah. yeah. Look at this ridiculous perm. <laughs> who, who, who do I think I am? Ryan Giggs. You know, you know, like I had to be like that at school. Otherwise it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of what got me through. And it's probably what still gets me through all right now surely well just got... like the year when you know the year that I came on to Strictly I, I was announced there was there was five new dancers that year yeah. and um there was two boys me, me and me and this other guy and that other guy was Aliash I was just gonna say I was just about to say, I'm sure it was Aliash wasn't it yeah, yeah. Was, you know a, he's, he's lovely a beautiful looking beautiful statue guy yeah yeah, so, and uh, there was a newspaper article that, that they'd been crying out for um, for more Brits on the show. Why is there so many foreigners on Strictly? We need more English, you know, about what they're like. And um, I was the only English dancer announced out of these five new dancers in 2013. Mm. And as soon as it was announced, they hadn't seen me dance or do anything. As soon as that was announced, there, there, there was like a double page spread of like the new pros and it was like oh this beautiful guy this girl from Lithuania blah 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 yeah. and then they made a big deal of like we've been crying out for more Brits is this seriously the best we can do really pasty boy called Kevin from Grimsby, from Grimsby. <laughs> so again like it's that same sort of self-deprecation kicked in yeah. and I was like okay from this point I'm gonna own Kevin from Grimsby yeah like I'm just gonna own it and like, yeah, that's that's who I am, and that's who you're gonna get. And not try to be beautiful, Aliash, because I'm never gonna be beautiful, Aliash. So. <laughs> You've got your own unique, unique charm, like Aliash. <laughs> you know, like, and to be fair, it's worked because you know, I personally, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people agree. I think you were really one of the favourites. You know, that you were really loved by the nation, and um, so it definitely worked. And obviously, your dancing's pretty good, Kev. So. <laughs> Cheers. I mean that's not that means nothing coming from me I, the standard I have is basically well I can't dance but I will always dance because yeah like, right yeah all my parents um that danced I thought they danced, and they did dance beautifully to be honest with mm. you um but nothing compared to you um, <laughs> um interestingly like sort of going back to that those early days then you, I mean, if I look at your, um, if anyone Wikipedia do, you know, you you did a shit ton of stuff. You know, you were youth world number one, I think, four times British Latin champion. You won loads of international titles and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so you're very well, you know, decorated. And what what I want to know is really sort of, you know, being in any competition is it, tough. You know, sporting competition, and I do see it like that. So I guess two things. Mm do you see it as a sport and if so why and most of the people do actually even in some of my comments there's a couple of people like well I get what you're saying Sam but um yeah so do you see it as a sport and if so why and, and the pressures that come with competing on a regular basis so it's a very big question and it's one that's been debated quite a lot in the ballroom and latin world it's now yeah. divided into two federations the competition world one okay. who very much believe that dancing as an art and another one that that call it dance sport right and, uh, their aim is to you know eventually get get it into the olympics and all of that sort of stuff mm -hmm. so where i sit i guess 
throughout my life, it's, it's been very competitive. My personal experience of it is I was fiercely competitive as a kid. Um, mm. Everything was about winning the competitions. Everything was about one day I'm going to, you know, win Blackpool. I'm going to be world champion. I'm going to da 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 Win, 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 win. Um, and I got to a point later on where I stopped enjoying the dancing itself. And I, I wanted to dance in certain ways. And this is probably why I'm so obsessed with Strictly Ballroom as a, as a film and a, as a musical and all of this, because I got obsessed with, I wanted to dance in a certain way and I wanted to express myself in a certain way and I wanted to entertain people. Mm -hmm. I, wanted, I always felt like I wanted to get a rise out of the audience. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I hated a, a dead audience. I really yeah. wanted everyone to be like uh, their energy in the room. Um, and I got to a point where there was this conflict of, look, you're doing this and you're getting a rise out of the audience, but you're not going to win the competition dancing like that. You have to dance like this. And I was saying, but I don't like dancing like that. It's not for me, just, you know, not for anyone else, but for me personally, it felt boring. It felt like I was ticking boxes to win a competition as opposed to express myself or make people feel something and entertain or, you know, or all of those things. So I ended up quitting um, in my twenties um, because I just, I, I didn't want it anymore. I didn't want the competition thing anymore. And I guess I, on the sport or art thing, I personally feel that dance is an art um, as opposed to a sport. But I think we, we train like athletes. I right. think it's, I think it's athletic what yeah. we do and we train like, like athletes and we, um, how we, especially in competition world, well, and in theater, to be honest, like a lot of dancers, even ballerinas, you know, they, they, they put themselves through the same structures and, and systems to maintain a certain, you know, um, physicality and flexibility and, you know, stamina levels and just making sure you're always on, on top of your game so I think it's sort of sport like but to me dance is an art where we express or and we make people feel things you know that's that's what it's about I, I guess it's a difficult one but I, I guess with sport you know if if um if Usain Bolt has a really really bad day mm. um and doesn't run like he usually does. Maybe Usain Bolt's a bad example because he'd probably still end up winning. <laughs> but <laughs> anyone, anyone, they're running a 400 meter race and they just, they have a bad day. Mm. And the person next to them um, has a great day, but that person who you've never even heard of is not like, has never won a race before, but they just have the absolute race of their life and they're quicker than that one. Mm. Then they win they win the race yeah. and, and there's no, there's no argument about it. Yeah. There's no, um, yeah, but I actually still think that that one was better. Yeah. So, well, well, she wasn't, yeah. <laughs> she, she ran faster. Yeah. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter what, what you think of her running style. She ran faster, for mm. example, whereas dance, dance is so subjective. Yeah. You know, you see that on Strictly. It's like some people will be voting for this one. Some people will be voting for that one. It's the same in competitions. Mm. You know, you have 11 judges and someone might think that, that that couple over there was the best and someone else thinks that couple over there was the best. So it's so subjective that I don't quite think it's as 
a sport to me but then you look at something you know ice skating's in the olympics so yeah. if ice skating's in there then why shouldn't Borum and latin be in there but yeah. i think if you're going to put Borum and latin in there then you have to put ballet in there so you have to put hip hop dancing in there. You know, where, where, where do you draw the line? The biggest one for me uh, on this is, so I'm a massive fan, don't laugh, but I, I'm, a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge obsessive fan of um, pro wrestling, as in WWE, yeah. you know, um, theater wrestling. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, so everyone, understands that it's a show it's theater it's and interestingly they call it sports entertainment that's how they label it they don't label it a sports or theater they say it's sports entertainment yeah and so i was having the discussion with my dad because my dad was saying you know i think it is a sport what what forum and latin is and it should be in the olympics and da, 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 da. and i was saying to him to him that imagine like we now have a competition for pro wrestling and I'm not talking about who wins because we all know that's just that storyline. Yeah. But what they do is incredibly athletic, more probably more athletic than what we do. Mm. And, you know, there's a real physicality that they have to train for for it and, and an athletic, you know, component to it. Yeah. If we were marking them, say, say two of them having a match, this wrestler and, and this wrestler having a match, and we would give them a score out of 10 for that match for how, how they performed like on anything, on a technical level, their mat skills, their athletic ability, their, the pace of the match, how entertaining the match was, mm. or their character, you know, or the story that they tell in the ring. Mm. Right, we'll give that one a nine out of 10 against that one. Should that be in the Olympics? Yeah. It feels like it probably shouldn't. And, and for me, that's what we do. We're entertainment in an athletic way. Yeah, I think that's the best I can explain it. No, no, so I think that's a, I think that's a good example. I mean, I, when you were talking, I was thinking, and I've thought about this before because obviously, like, this was one of the I wanted to talk to you about it because I see it as a sport. Right, I really do. Um, mm. I think because you're going out there to win, you're not going out there. I mean, I know, you, although mm -hmm. actually for you, 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 I stopped like, wanting that. Yeah, I got yeah. more enjoyment out of it when I stopped wanting to win, and I and I and I, I feel like I became a better dancer. When I and that is what I was going to say. One of my points is when, when I work with clients, they're because I'm a life coach, so I look at the person as a whole, not not yeah. just a footballer or a track and field athlete, mm. the whole. And mm. a big part of what I do and my message is: look, if you deal with you as a whole, as a person, who understand who you are, your values, what you stand for, become self-aware, work on your mindset and your your personal um, development or, or growth that will hold you in good stead. You'll have a better understanding of yourself. You mm. will show up in the world as who you really are. So that gives you a, a certain, um, when you're the real you, you kind of like, you're freer. You, yeah. You're not putting on this veneer, this front, and, and you're mm. more carefree. And when you like that, and you like yourself, you understand yourself, we do better. It's proven you do better in whatever it is that you do. Mm. Whereas, and that like for you, you know, when you freed yourself up to go, do you know what? I just want to dance mm. in my way. You did better because you were being who you are. Yeah. And I, I've had that with, with um, sports people where, you know, they show up and they feel like they have to perform like performance is how they're seen. They're, mm. they're um, you know, they're a commodity really in mm. some instances, especially football and rugby and some of these things. Um, 
and that pressure is huge and they don't feel like they can show up as who they really are or do things how they really want to do them mm. but when they take it you know step away and then do that work and work on themselves as a whole and go you know what this is me this is how I show up and this is how I want to do it chances are they're going to perform way better and mm. I know for a fact that they are going to be the best version of them, themselves so their mm. their potential to unlock that human potential and be their best is you know you're unlocking that basically by mm. being you like like said so like you did um mm. so I think I mean, that's just my take on it. And I know that mm. from what I do and, and, and uh, experience, but I think there is, I still think that even though you were saying like, well, yeah, mm. I just want to do it this way. I don't care if I win. I still see it as a sport mm. because like I said, I still do some of that stuff with athletes and not, not, you could say there's a, um, oh, who is it? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Roger, Roger Federer. Mm. So he's a ten great tennis player. We all know who he is. Yeah. Um, but he's really calm. Everyone knows he's really calm and cool and collected. On the he, he wasn't always like that. He was, a, mm. he was an angry young man. And he learned and he did a lot of personal development, a lot of mindset stuff. And basically, he just shows up to play tennis. Yeah. Like, yes, he has coaches and all of this. But yeah. it, it's well documented that he will go, rather than think, oh, I've got to win, I've got to win, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like... I'm a good tennis player. I'm good enough to win. I'm just going to go and play tennis. Yeah. I yeah. want to play tennis. Yeah. Uh, and it's but that then, mindset. Mm. And I love that because it's very like, it's that thing of play, like this in football, they say play, play the game, not the occasion. Mm. Like if it's the FA Cup final, don't go out to try and win the FA Cup, just play yeah. your game of football. Yeah. Um, and I sort of love that. But at the same time, if he does that, and he does that better than the person in front of him, mm. then he wins. Mm. That's not necessarily the case in dancing. Like, so five, five years after I quit the competition world and I was performing with a company called Burn the Floor mm. um, on Broadway, that's when I feel like I, I was in an incredible sort of peak of, of my dancing, really. And um, I was a much better dancer at that point than I was when I was competing. But right. if I danced like that in a competition, I would get a much worse result than right. I was doing dancing the way I was. Mm. So there's this weird element to it. Like being, being a better dancer doesn't, doesn't necessarily equate to getting better results <coughs> well, in competition. Yeah. It's so subjective and, and, and I just think if, if it becomes sport, then it becomes that there has to be a, a sort of um, a structure to what is what is the best dancing. Then what is like we know what it is in a race. It's who crosses the line first. Yeah, that's in easy, football. Yeah. It's in football. It's who scores more goals than the other team. Mm. In tennis, who you know scores more points. Point. Yeah, yeah. Gets the ball past the opponent within the framework. Um, within the court um, more times than the other mm. in dancing it's like okay what are those rules because they have to judge it on something that's not just well I like them the best yeah um, and I think once you lay out those rules and that's the way it is going on one side of, of ballroom dancing right once you lay out those rules then everyone's going to be dancing the same yeah to to try and get that win they have to tick this box this box and this box sort of in, in, in a more efficient way than everyone else. But then I think it squashes artistry. 
And, you you know, and artistry is a luxury, I think, in sport. Like you get some great artists in sport, but it's not the necessary ingredient to win. Yeah. I, I love in dance, it sort of is. Yeah, like, you know. Sorry to cut you off, Kevin. No, no, go on, go on. No, I was, and I get what you're saying there. You make some really good points because, you know, even if I think I was um, football, like football, um, oh, I can't remember who I was listening to the other day, but they were talking about how their side of playing football. Uh, I think it might have been Tottenham. Mm. Not a Tottenham fan. Um, but <laughs> who, who is your team? Arsenal. Arsenal. What about you? Well, my team is Scunthorpe United. <laughs> An immediate laugh. Um, <laughs> if we're talk- I'm a shareholder at Scunny. Oh, are uh, you? Yeah, but um, my dad's team, if we're talking Premier League, my dad's a lifelong Chelsea fan because he's a Londoner. So they're my Premier League team. Okay, well, that's not good either way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, isn't it funny how we have two teams as well? Like Arsenal is like yeah. my heart. I've been an Arsenal fan for a long yeah. time. But I live in Brighton, so... You sort of follow them. Yeah, Yeah. and my friend's a season ticket holder, so whenever Arsenal come, I always go with her. I have to sit in with the Brighton fans and cheer for Arsenal. It's horrible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But it is is kind of like that in in, in football. It's like, it's that question of like, would you rather play boring football and win or play beautiful football and not win? And this is the thing that I was listening to the other day. I think it was on Five Live Sport because that's what I generally listen to. And they were talking about Tottenham uh, and some of the fans were asked, you know, because I think their game is not great at the moment. Is it about grinding out the wins? Would the fans Mm. be happy with the ugly football, but they qualify in the top four? It might have even been one of I can't remember. Um, Or would they rather see beautiful football? Mm. And the the consensus was they'd rather see beautiful football. Right. Rather than the win. Now, I don't know how many fans they polled or whatever. And that's and so you so you have that. Like for me and Arsenal, you know, we're not known for our flair. Um, it's grinding out the wins and at the moment, but like you at one point. One point, yeah, Arsenal but long time ago. Yeah. Burkout, yeah. Thierry, those yeah, were yeah. beautiful I mean, days. Beautiful they days. They were playing the most beautiful football. Oh God, I love those days. I love Dennis Burkamp as well. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there is still that in football. Like, you know, do you want us to play pretty football? And and who doesn't like to see the game played beautifully? We all do, right? But yeah. there are those fans that still want to see, you know, a nice game as opposed to those fans that are like, I don't care how you play, you just win. Um, mm. And it's like that in, in your... Di- and if you think about, like, in the Olympics when we have gymnastics, like some of the floor um, shows... that, that floor, floor shows? I don't know what... It, floor exercises programs they do you know mm. that is about certain technicality isn't it gets certain mm. points yeah and also that it flows together and it looks quite nice so mm. for me like dancing isn't too far away from that it's no. these certain elements give these certain points so you can combine whatever you want to get certain uh, level of difficulty yeah and it, you know about making it look nice and flow so for me that's where it kind of crosses over and i guess mm. I think if you can have gymnastics and it's structured like that, then yeah, dancing. And there will always be probably those guys that are like, well, we're all doing the same thing. But actually on the floor shows in gymnastics, they're not all doing the same thing because they're putting in different uh, degrees of difficulty, different elements. Mm-hmm. But then some of the you know loveliest bits of dancing that I've seen can be things that are so simple right. and that are not difficult at all. But there's just such a... It's just the right thing and the right point in the music just makes gives you goosebumps. Like, and that's what it's about for me. 
and and I, I guess I used to have the same like as what we were saying about football. I used to have those same conversations with all my mates in competition days. Um, I, I would I would ask them. I'd always be fascinated. I was like, would you rather win at Blackpool, where everyone thinks you're a mad, boring dancer, <laughs> and just no one likes your dancing, no one's interested, but but they but, but you win. win you win the trophy. Or would you rather like the crowd is going nuts for you at Blackpool, making loads of noise and, the, and everyone thinks you're an amazing dancer and it's yeah. just, everyone feels something when they watch you and, and young dancers are inspired by you and all like that, but you finish fifth, mm. what would you prefer? And everyone, every single one of my, my mates would say, no, of course you want the win. Really? And I always thought the opposite. I was like, I'd take fifth every time than, than be a boring dancer. Like, so yeah I think yeah there is I guess it comes down to character doesn't it and what's more yeah. what's more important to you do you want the adoration of the audience and to mm. feel like you know like for me like do I want to be the greatest life coach in the world I'd like to be but to be honest with you I'm I'm quite happier having you know my 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 audience and that they they are inspired by you know what I do and my clients are inspired enough to go and improve their life I don't need to mm. be the greatest life coach in the world mm. um I know it's very completely different <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you know I don't because I know that actually mm. I'd much rather impact lives and help people change their lives than I than I need to be the best in the world at what I do mm. um and I guess it and yeah you know I'd like to have praise and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Some of that. Um, so I guess it's a bit like that, really. But it's a, it's a, it's one of those ones, isn't it, that will probably get debated. You know. Yeah, so. yeah. Like even like me and my dad disagree on that because dad sees <laughs> the best sport. I what think. did your mum think? Um, my mum's sort of probably sat in the middle somewhere on it. Um, yeah. But interestingly for me, like I at that moment where I just lost all love for competing like in my sort of mid-20s I was like I just don't get anything out of it anymore I don't want to dance like this I don't really like my own dancing I feel like the audience aren't interested in my dancing and but I'm sort of edging towards a win but it feels a bit meaningless you know like um and I just gave up and I, I, I was like I don't want to do this anymore and and people were saying to me, oh, you're throwing it all away what are you doing with you you've trained for this all your life you know you one day you're going to be you know, the, the best in the world, blah, 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 and all of this. And, and I thought I just, I didn't like dancing anymore. I was like, no, I just, I, you know, I went through this sort of phase of, I, I think maybe it, it's what my family has always done. And I've never really made a choice about it. Mm. Um, and I want to sort of live my own life. And mm. so I gave up and people would tell me, no, no, just, you just need a break and get re-inspired and da, 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 da. Um, but I wasn't inspired by anything. And then I saw uh, Matthew Bourne's Edward Scissorhands at Sadler's Wells, like the, the yeah. ballet of Edward Scissorhands. And I sat and watched that. And it just, it like, it made me cry. Like just, just watching it. And, and at that point it was like, I've got it. It's clicked for me. Yeah. It's, not, it's not that I don't like dancing or performing. It, it's like, I, I want some, it's the storytelling and making people feel something that yeah. I love. I'm not so interested in the winning the trophies. Mm. It's not about that for me. I don't dance to win trophies. I dance to affect people emotionally, to express yeah. myself um, and yeah, to entertain. I yeah. Guess. And it's a, and it's something I talk about, <clears throat> I talked about this for like 20 odd years, because I know you're into your property. I'm into property. We both mm. know Rob. Um, yeah. Um, 
I used to always say when I started doing different property strategies that I want to create win-win situations. Mm. I'm not interested in just creating a situation where I win mm. because I used to buy below market value property and stuff like that. And that was what it was about win-win. And even with my coaching, and it might sound weird, but I want to create a win-win situation. And that situation is um, that the people I work with inspire me. So I feel like I'm getting a win because I'm working with inspiring people. And the work that we do together creates change and impact for them. And that's a win-win situation. And it's like that with you because, and if you think about it in competition, whether that's football or whatever, you can be a footballer or a dancer and want to go out there and win for yourself ultimately because mm. that makes you feel mm. good or you can be the type of person who wants to create a win-win which is i get to do this because it makes me feel freaking amazing and actually mm. i get to make other people feel amazing as well like you know i know what i feel when i watch strictly you know and see beautiful mm. dances and you know one that always sticks out for me is caroline flax which you know yeah, obviously yeah. we saw that we've seen it a lot recently with everything mm. and that, that always sticks out in my mind and um, and there's a few like that and they make me feel something yeah. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So they're win-win situations. And that's what I'm getting from you and just having this conversation is that you're kind of that guy, you're that win-win guy. This makes me feel good, but I also make other people feel good at the same time. Mm. And, it, and it's also that thing, like you're so right about when you just sort of get in touch with yourself and, and who you are and, and how you want to be rather than feeling like I've, I've got to try and be that because mm. that's what the winning dancer looks like. You know, yeah. that's what the champion does. So I've got to be like that. Mm. Um, once, once I sort of started letting go of that, and I was just like, I'm literally just going to express myself in, 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 in my dancing and dance how, how I feel like mm. I want to dance. Obviously, you still have to practice your technique and stuff. And, you know, you, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, like I want to be who I want to be and dance how, how I want to be like that suddenly feels so much easier to one enjoy it for myself and two it yeah it just clicks into gear and it and, and it feels like the audience believe it a bit more yeah. and well it's authentic isn't it you know yeah i know like authenticity is like one of the most overused words in the world um but when you come from that place it's very liberating it's very freeing mm. um, and you do perform better and i think there's a lot of resemblances with sport, track and field, football, whatever. Um, you know, you get some young foot. I did a talk for some young international footballers a couple of weeks ago and trying to get them to see themselves as, you know, a lot of these young footballers and athletes just see themselves as that athlete. Like, you are not just a football player. You yes. know, you are Johnny Jones or whoever, little little Jimmy. You're a person yeah. as a whole. You're a human being. Yeah. Um, rather than just seeing yourself as a footballer. But... But like you were saying, you, you kind of like, you grew up in this world where dancing was a thing and you didn't know any different. And for a lot of these kids in football or whatever, they don't know any different. You know, daddy takes them out or mummy takes them out, plays football as soon as they're two, three or four. Mm. That's all they ever know. And then they feel this pressure to compete, mm. which is at different levels for different families and different people. Mm. But, you know, I, I recently worked with a footballer who lost his motivation. And it was a classic, like that kind of classic, well, this is what I'm expected to do. And you carry a heavy burden. There's obviously a lot of money in foot top level football as well. And your family expect you to do it, but mm. you, you lose the love for it because you're having to go to work effectively and perform in a way that you don't necessarily want to. Mm. You might at one point love the game or your sport, but 
are you really free ultimately are you free to express yourself how you want to express yourself are you free to voice your opinion like mm. you want to like you know a lot of athletes you know they're all media trained yeah yeah you can't really say what you want to say no, of course um, not. so you you're putting this box and here you go this is what it looks like go do it and no wonder people lose their motivation because they lose their sense yeah. of self yeah and and it, it's a it's a big thing um just this idea of identity and it, it was interesting you know the fact that the the pandemics come along now all i've always just identified myself as as a dancer you know in the same way that people say like okay foot, I, I am football or yeah. i am yeah, athlete yeah. it's like i'm i'm this dancer and this is what comes along with it and 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 just for me as well things like um when i was competing it was like i am son of Keith and Judy Clifton who are champions yeah. so I have to sort of follow that or then when I'm on Strictly Come Dancing it was um people knew me as sort of it's Kevin from Grimsby you know <laughs> and so and people you know they think okay Kevin's like this and he's like this and then you feel this pressure to sort of maintain that mm. I've got to make sure that I'm I'm this and and it's weird because I'm I'm really on stage I'm, or, you know, when I'm performing on Strictly or whatever, I'm a massive extrovert. And in mid-performance, I'm very confident and very sort of, you know, I'm a big performer. As soon as the camera turns off, or as soon as I walk off stage, I'm a total introvert. Right. And I sort of, uh, in, in a room full of people, I'm the least confident person in the room. Mm. And it's it's weird, like, I would come out of, a stage say I've just done a show somewhere I'm coming out of stage door and there's a load of people there want a picture because they they love Strictly or you know whatever pictures and autographs and stuff and, and want to talk to me and I'm sort of a bit I don't know a bit I don't know what to say <laughs> sort of a bit socially awkward a bit yeah. shy a bit whatever but there's this weird there's this weird identity that I've got to maintain which is the guy on Strictly yeah um, you know Kevin from Grimsby and I've always had an, uh, an element of that just you know I, I always say that like from a very young age it, I was being judged in in competitions mm. um, you know by judges and, until I was in my 20s then I went into theatre and it became you know you're, you're judged on reviews on audience applause you know for whether it went well or not or and then I go on to Strictly and then I'm being judged by the four that are sat there and 13 million people that are deciding whether they're going to vote <laughs> for you or not. So it's like, you feel like you've got to maintain this thing because you're getting all of your validation as a, like you're saying, it's difficult to separate the two selves. Like yeah. you, yourself, you understand to be this dancer person and all your sort of validation, whether dancer person is working or not, is coming from outside sources, people yeah. judging you. So What's been really interesting for me, actually, is since COVID happened, obviously you wish it was different circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, because it's been a shit time for everyone. Yeah. But it's been this weird, like for the, probably for the first time in my life, I've had this period of, okay, for, for a year, like I don't have to be anyone for, yeah. for anyone. I don't yeah. have to be anything for anyone. I'm just indoors. And I almost didn't know who that person was, like yeah. who Kevin is sat at home. Yeah. Because like, like the boxer who just identifies himself as 
boxer wanting to be world champion or you know the athlete that is training for that olympics you know or whatever mm. or the football like i identify myself as like dancer guy and now strictly dancer guy who's on tv and kevin from grimsby and people think i'm like this and i'm like that or yeah. you know whatever and now in the last year i've sort of gone okay so so whatever this is now this is what i actually am <laughs> like, without all of that yeah i always i always think of um Cool Runnings. Have you seen Cool Runnings, oh, the film? Like a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. It's one of my favourite movies. Do. If you feel good shit, watch Cool Runnings. <laughs> yeah. And you know, at the end, near the end, John Candy's saying to him, um, if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Exactly. Meaning the win. Yeah. And he was like, how will I know if I'm enough? And he's like, oh, you'll know. And it's kind of that same thing that we're talking about, like knowing what you are without yeah. that without the accolades, the trophies, the, the achievement or the applause or whatever it is. And I feel like this last year, I'm sort of starting to figure it out. <laughs> At 38. Trust me, it took me a long time. I'm still learning. <laughs> and that's why I do what I do because I do it for myself. And then what I learn, I share. Um, <laughs> and I hope that people figure it out way quicker than I did. Uh, but it is right. You know, if you're not, you know, if you're not happy without it, you definitely won't be happy with it. No. Um, and, I, and I think there's some real lessons in that. And when this whole pandemic started, I didn't know it was going to go on this long. But mm. I do remember saying to my sister that a whole bunch of people are going to find out whether they like themselves or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it, and, and, you know, even for me, you know, I, I, I live on my own. <clears throat> and, you know, in that in the time of the pandemic, my dog's died, my dad's died and I've got divorced. It's been a tough year. Uh, uh, but I do like myself. I know yeah. that. I knew that before, but I like myself even more now. Mm. Um, and I think, and one of the things I say to, you know, when I'm, you know, some people that I work with, it's like, go spend some time on your own, turn your phone off, turn the TV off, do a little bit every day, even if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, yeah. you know, I never, I used to always run with music in my ears, always had to be having something, you know, tuning into me. Yeah. And more, re cause I run, run is like my therapy really. Um, like my meditation, but now I run a lot more without anything, any sound in my ears because it's just be alone with my own thoughts. That's interesting. Cause I'm, I do exactly the same thing. Whatever I'm doing, I've got a podcast on. Yeah. Like whatever I'm doing, if I'm running or if I'm just doing chores in the house or what, yeah. even, even like literally if I'm having a shower, even if I'm just gonna go, go to the toilet, I'll take a podcast with me for just for that one minute. <laughs> <laughs> like just, I've always, always got something on in, in my ears. You've been listening to The Real Life Sports Show. I hope you found some value in this free podcast. If you have, then tell someone else about it. And while you're at it, why not leave me a five-star review? Also, you can share it on your socials. You'll mostly find me on Instagram at Sam Adams Coach. Use the hashtag real life. You can also check me out at my website, sam-adams.com. If you're interested in my coaching or have any comments at all then just drop me a dm via instagram and i will get back to you i look at all my messages and i reply to every single one of them